This podcast is made possible by Workday and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Jason Liberty, CFO of World Caribbean Cruises Limited, and you're listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 348. I got there at the end of February, I discovered that the first controller they hired uh, when they bought this plant, he had lasted a week. And he said, no, this is over my head. And they hired another one the 1st of December. He lasted two weeks. Um, and so I come in the end of January. Well, the difference was I had moved from Kingsport to Savannah. I'm committed. I've got to figure out how to make this thing work. So... Uh, uh, and I started reading everything I could, whether it was the software operations manual or whatever it was, to try to help me improve my, my skills and my knowledge so I could make this thing work. And uh, it, it, I didn't look at it as uh, anything other than this is an exciting challenge. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. We're pleased to bring you part two of our interview with Roy Austin. On this episode, we explore with Roy his post-CFO chapter as a business coach and author. And we ask Roy to look back again at some of the choices he's made along the way. Our discussion with Roy continues after these words from our sponsor. Just as a house needs a good foundation, your business needs a solid technology foundation. At Workday, a different approach to finance technology is giving growing mid-size organizations a distinct advantage. Workday's flexible architecture means that when business conditions change, finance can easily make changes to business processes. To learn more about how a finance system from Workday supports mid-size organizations from the ground up, visit us at Workday.com. Workday, built for the future. I'd like to see if we can connect the dots here as far as the other aspects of your career, which, uh, as I mentioned up front, includes uh, business uh, coaching, training, and um, the book. Uh, how did these other aspects of your career uh, take root? Well, when I, uh, when I started doing the business coaching in 2009, uh, and I call it coaching, not consulting. Uh, consultants tell you what to do. Um, nobody's interested in my solution to their problem. Um, they don't get excited about somebody else's solution. They get excited about their own solution. So coaching to me is helping the client figure out uh, the solution to their own problem. Uh, and so trying to ask questions and help them learn, I give them reading assignments and homework assignments, and then we get back together and talk about it and 
slowly they begin to realize what their solution is and what fits them uh, best. Um, but as I started on that, then I got involved with Business Network International, or BNI, uh, and it's just a, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed that experience. The, uh, you know, the common complaint that I hear from uh, uh, older people or retired people is, oh, this next generation. Well, I'll I tell you, the next generation is in good hands with all these young entrepreneurs. Uh, they are an excited, motivated, uh, uh, just awesome group of people. Um, and I wanted to help more of them, but as I mentioned before, they have this do-it-yourself mentality, which I can appreciate. I had that when I was younger. I tried to do my own plumbing work. Bad idea. Uh, you know, didn't save money. It cost me money. But, you know, that's what they want to try a lot of times. So I thought, well, maybe I can help them out through a book, but the lessons in the book, I, I, I wrote it for small businesses, but I've had a number of people say, well, the, the principles here, they're applicable to organizations of any size, any type, and I just uh, got one the other day that said, uh, you, you ought to ex expand your marketing reach and, and uh, because the lessons in here are good, just applicable to your personal life. Um, so I, it, uh, it, it, here again, the, the book is kind of involved into things uh, uh, a little different than what I started with. I really wrote it because I wanted to find, uh, I saw most small businesses have trouble with accounting. I didn't want to understand it. So uh, I thought, and so I, I kept buying books to try to, to uh, find one to give to somebody so they could, you know, understand accounting a little bit better. Um, most boring books on the planet. I bought eight of them. One of them, the first chapter, was a glossary of accounting terms. Now, if that doesn't put you to sleep, I don't know what does. So I finally decided, well, maybe I can do a little bit better job <laughs> than some of these other books. Now, I have since found a couple of books that are pretty good on, on accounting. Uh, there's one called Simple Numbers by Greg Crabtree and uh, Accounting for the Numberphobic by Don Fittipolis. Uh, so those those are those are good reads, but um, one of the great compliments I got was on Memorial Day I got an email from a guy who said I'm sitting on the beach reading your book, and which kind of surprised me. I'm thinking you, you're on the beach, you got nothing better to do than read a business book, and uh, he said for the first time in my life I understand accounting. Now that you know that that if I can just help a few people like that. Um, then it makes the whole project worthwhile, and and that's where you kind of get to once you get uh, you know past your primary working years. Let's put it that way. Uh, like I say, I don't believe in retirement. Um, you, I, I want to stay relevant. I want to feel like I'm making a contribution. You know, you get all this education, all this experience, um, put it to use, help some people. Uh, my wife and I just came back from a cruise, and, and I got a little bit frustrated with some of these wonderful people that we met, um, great experience and executives, and all they want to do is play golf. And I'm thinking, you know, we'll take a few hours a week and, and go volunteer with SCORE or the local Chamber of Commerce or, uh, you know, get involved to, to help some other people pass it on what you have learned and benefited from. Besides not 
wanting to be idle, uh, the expression lifelong learner comes to mind and uh, sort of, I guess, open the door to your next career as a business coach. Has there been sort of a philosophy for personal development that uh, you've had over the years? Uh, and that forward, I don't mean growing bigger or whatever. I just mean that you are uh, becoming better at what you do. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the, uh, uh, all the technology that we have today. Um, that's, a, that's a great challenge for pe- people of any age to try to keep up with. Um, and I, I find, you know, all the social media, you know, very interesting. I'm not using all of it, but, um, you know, the main ones uh, I do. Uh, but there will always be people out there that know a lot more about that stuff than I do. Uh, but that shouldn't be a deterrent. That should say, well, I'm not comparing to other people. I'll just, comp- you know, am I getting any better? Well, this is uh, actually good timing for us to enter our uh, mentoring round where I ask you uh, several quick questions intended to uh, leave advice for future uh, finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you today about finance and business? Well, I, that would have to be the young entrepreneurs. Um, that uh, that group of people has such energy and creativity uh, and enthusiasm. Uh, and and I think there's a myth here, Jack. Too, uh, I think a lot of, of books and people think that every small business aspires to be the next Microsoft. Uh, the vast majority of them, at least in my experience, has been. They just want to provide a living for their family, do work that they love doing, and be independent in doing it, and make a contribution to their community. Some of them aspire to be a little bit bigger, but very few of them aspire to be regional or national companies. Um, And so if you look around in your own community and you look at the uh, HVAC companies or your plumbers or your electricians or uh, barbershops or, you know, you can, the list can go on and on. Most of those are entrepreneurs that have established a very nice little business, make a nice living for their family, uh, and they don't aspire to be a huge corporation. And, and I guess my disappointment is a lot of times they get left out. Most books and, and seminars are directed at that that select few people that have aspirations to be this huge global company. Nothing wrong with that, but we're leaving out, uh, uh, not paying attention to helping these other businesses that are don't have those big aspirations be successful at what they do. Now let's go back uh, to the day you first stepped into. Uh, the CFO office at DJ Powers. You're finally there. You're not a controller. You're not an accountant. You're the, you're the CFO. What is that one piece of advice you wish someone had given you? What is it that you would have loved to have someone whisper in your ear that day? What would that be? You know, I heard you ask that of other people, and I, I wrote it down as, and I I honestly can't come up with with an answer. I think uh, the uh, you know if I, I had begun to start to understand the value of relationships, um, but I guess uh, 
you know, by then all the, uh, I don't know, I was, it was just an exciting challenge to be there. So, uh, and I was still a bit of a do-it-yourselfer and still am. Uh, sometimes that's not a good idea, but, um, uh, I can't come up with something that says, well, I wish somebody had told me something, um, because the, the time leading up to that had taught me uh, the value of relationships, the value of admitting your mistakes and figuring out how to avoid them in the future, um, taking responsibility for those mistakes. And I remember when I first uh, came to DJ Powers, you know, I got my staff all together, and I said to them, I expect you to make mistakes. I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. If you make a mistake, come tell me about it. I won't hold it against you. I also expect you to give me a uh, you know, solution to how to avoid making that mistake again. And uh, it took them a while to get used to that. And I also told them, I said, now if you keep making the same mistake over and over again, now we've got a problem. Or if you try to hide it from me, we got a problem. Um, and after a while, that they they began to realize, hey, this guy really means that. He's not just you know blowing smoke here. Uh, and so it fostered a very open atmosphere where people would come to me with with pro- whenever they came to me with a problem, said, "What do we do about this?" And I would say, "Well, what do you recommend?" Um, that first, that kind of stunned them. You know, the boss is supposed to solve all the problems. Well, I you know. I had a, a, a solution in mind, but they may have a better one. Uh, so let's listen to what they have to say. Uh, and that uh, that seemed to really help. Now, that uh, that doesn't really answer your question of what somebody had, uh, I wish somebody had told me, but, uh, and I'm not exactly sure how I arrived at that approach, but it, it certainly was successful. We've had finance leaders in the past tell us it can be a lonely job. Did you experience that? Not at all. I I, I, I didn't think so because I was trying to lead you sort of when I suggested you form (laughs) this council to get more peers involved. (laughs) It doesn't sound like that was one of the motivations at all. So Actually, the lonely job was when I was with Eastman and was frustrated that my career wasn't going where I wanted it to go. uh, And I couldn't figure out why. And when I finally figured out why, it was really too late. Um, and, and there you, I, I kind of felt like, you know, I'm just another cog in the wheel. Again, no disrespect to Eastman because it, it it's a wonderful and a very successful company and fortunately got spun off from Kodak in 94. Uh, but, uh, you know, this, I never felt lonely in the CFO job because there was something new going on every day and it was exciting to try to figure out how to handle the problems. And some of the assignments they gave me were kind of, different for um, your CFO. They would they had uh, branch offices all around the southeast, and they would send me around to develop business plans for each office. Now, I didn't recommend that. I said, you know, we need to have an overall business plan that everybody's on the page with. No, no, no. The, each office for them kind of operated independently, and they did have a little bit of a different market. Um, for instance, the Brunswick office, there's more cars imported and exported through Brunswick than any port on the East Coast, which I always found fascinating. Brunswick's not, Georgia's not that big. But um, in going around and trying to help them and help 
in some cases they asked me to mediate disputes between like the import and the export manager in an office. Uh, it was a very different kind of a role, so there was something new and interesting going on all the time. Do you have a personal habit that you believe has contributed to your professional success? I, I would have to say it's the continuous learning. Um, you know, the, the, my CPA and CMA designations require that I get 40 hours of continuing education a year. I probably get 60 or 70. Um, and, and some of that's formal, but a lot of that is I've become a voracious reader. I didn't used to be. Uh, and but when I became the controller of Savannah Manufacturing, I began to realize, hey, you've got a, lot, a huge learning curve here. And it kind of started with uh, operations manuals for the software. Um, that was one of the most challenging things I've ever had in my life because when I got there, at the end of February, I discovered that the first controller they hired uh, when they bought this plant, uh, he had lasted a week. And he said, no, this is over my head. And they hired another one the 1st of December. He lasted two weeks. Um, and so I come in the end of January. Well, the difference was I had moved from Kingsport to Savannah. I'm committed. I've got to figure out how to make this thing work. So, uh, uh, and I started reading everything I could, whether it was the software operations manual or whatever it was, to try to help me improve my, my skills and my knowledge so I could make this thing work. And uh, uh, sadly, in spite of the fact, I mean, this was a $12 million a year revenue company, and I had reduced their, their cost by over a million dollars, and it still wasn't anywhere close to keep them uh, profitable. Uh, the, the, the guy that bought it got really screwed in the, uh, in, in the purchase agreement, and... Uh, it was very sad, but, um, you know, here again, even though it was challenging, it was exciting. You're learning new things. You're, you're doing new things. You're trying to figure out a cost accounting system for an aseptic uh, manufacturing process. Uh, you, you've got a, uh, a software system that they had installed in a couple of weeks, which is impossible for, a, a, you know, a full uh, software system that covers accounting, manufacturing, shipping, procurement, the whole nine yards. Um, so everybody's mad at the software company. The software company's mad at us. Um, it, it, I didn't look at it as uh, anything other than this is an exciting challenge. Uh, and whereas when I left Eastman, I felt burnt out when I went back to work in that atmosphere, I felt so excited and I felt like no, I really wasn't burnt out. I was bored. Uh, and there just weren't, and I look back on it, the, the last few assignments that I had, there just weren't all that challenging and interesting. So um, I don't know if that answers your question again, Jack. But it, It's interesting. I'll point out that uh, we frequently, the response to this question for finance leaders is hard work, where you've already shared with us that hard work isn't enough. Um, I think that's a, uh, an interesting continuous learning uh, is the way you answered the question, mm -hmm. which uh, mm -hmm. which says a lot. I think you learned uh, the first part of your career that hard work isn't enough. And uh, second part, continuous learning became the, the key. Um, 
You already mentioned a number of books for us. Uh, let me just ask if there's another book or uh, maybe you saw this one coming and you provided that information. Should I ask it again uh, if there's a book you'd sure. recommend? I mean, you know, the one I'm reading right now, Extreme Ownership, I think is a, an excellent uh, uh, book on leadership. Uh, and and I'm particularly enjoying it because the Institute of Management Accountants has invited me back to their international convention in Indianapolis in uh, in June to speak, and my topic is leadership. Why should people follow you? Um, so I, I found some some interesting things there because I, with leadership, I found a lot of times leadership books and articles focus on the qualities of a leader. Well, just because you have certain qualities doesn't mean anybody's going to follow you. So uh, my approach is a little different. Jim Collins books, I love all of them, particularly uh, Great by Choice and Good to Great. Uh, of course, the classic small business book is E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Uh, Jack Stack, uh, Great Game of Business, and he's got a follow-up book uh, to that. Uh, the, his name escapes me. And, of course, Eli Goldratt, I mentioned the goal. Uh, you know, it, it's about three, throughput accounting, but it's also about process improvement, and it applies to any aspect of the organization. Uh, how do you figure out how to, to make the whole process more efficient, whether you're talking about the finance department, the manufacturing department, the logistics, or whatever? Uh, if you pull the principles out, and sometimes I see people look at things and they'll say, oh, well, here's a book about a manufacturing company. It doesn't apply to me. I'm a service company. Yeah, but the principles apply to you. So, uh, uh those, those would be at the top of my list, but I, I've probably read several hundred books. The goal, is that fiction? Well, it's a story. It's a story, right? So it's... it's so it's, a, it's kind of a fictional story with uh, the, the principles woven together, but it, it, it has to do with a plant manager who's got this impossible task to pull off or, or they're going to close his plant, and then he's got all these problems with his family at home that are resentful of all the hours he's spending. So it's, it's really a good mix of things. But through that all, uh, then because the book is entertaining, then you want to continue to read it. Uh, one of my uh, things about uh, a lot of books is you, it's hard to pull the information back out of them. You know, as I'm reading Extreme Ownership, I'm thinking, I hope at the end of the book, because I've, I've got it on my iPad, I'm hoping at the end of the book they've got a summary of key points. Uh, because a lot of times you read this book and you say, you know, now I've got to go back through, make all these notes, try to figure out the key points. What I tried to do in, in my book was put exercises at the end of each chapter uh, and, you know, told people, you know, get a three-ring binder or something, and do the exercises and fill them out, put them in your three-ring binder, and by the time you get done with the book, you will have created a business plan. Um, but I wanted to make the, in, you know, some way for people to kind of pull the information back out, not have to now go back and reread the whole thing to find the, the real meat that, uh, that I could recommend. I interrupted there. I meant to ask you about professional associations, and I know you uh, you mentioned the IMA. What what? Uh, how do you participate? I was uh, 
active in the Savannah chapter of it. I was involved with it uh, back in Kingsport, uh, and uh, and then uh, I got the opportunity to. Uh, well, I got a, a notification from them a couple years ago, but looking for speakers, so I applied and and they uh, accepted it. So I went and spoke in, in Las Vegas uh, two years ago, and uh, I was. I guess I didn't do too bad because they invited me back this year. Um, I find that I really enjoy speaking uh, engagements and uh, you know sharing ideas with people and hopefully giving them some insights and, and helping them out. Um, but then I got uh, the opportunity also to get on the IMA's uh, Small Business Committee. Uh, that's not the exact name of Small Business Financial Regulatory Affairs or something like that. Um, which gave me, you know, because I, I love working with small businesses, uh, that gave me an opportunity to uh, look at things which we look at regulations that are coming out of the IRS or the SEC or Department of Labor or wherever that, you know, what's their impact on small businesses. Um, so I've just been doing that for about six or seven months, and I find that uh, a most interesting uh, uh, committee to serve on. More from Roy Austin after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Right, thank you uh, for the extra time here. I have uh, thrown a few extra questions your way, and I thought uh, one way to wrap up might be to, uh, to ask you for some advice as far as uh, finance career builders out there uh, so much seems to be in flux, and so much is unknown in terms of uh, how some of the automation uh, will impact the finance function and what roles um, will be able to step up and become more strategic and which ones are going to likely be somewhat redundant with some of the technologies. But what advice would you have for future finance leaders as far as how to go about building their careers today? You know that's uh, uh, that's a difficult question to answer because, as you point out, um, back when I was growing up, you know, the conventional wisdom—you get a job with a big company and you work there all your life, and you know, you get promoted according to your merit. Um, in today's environment, you see much more of people working for smaller companies, and you know, you go there for four or five years and you get some good experience, and then you jump to a little bit bigger company. And you kind of progress up through a, uh, a ladder of leadership positions at each successive company. Um, you know that that works for some people. Um, so I, I'm not sure there's one clear path anymore. But I, I, I would say that 
if you aspire to a position of leadership in any form, uh, number one, you got to find something that you love doing. Um, and if, if you don't love it, then find something else. It's you know, no matter how much they're paying you, it's not worth it. Um, when you when you find something you love, you're not working. <laughs> you're you're playing. Uh, but the path then becomes the continuous learning model. Uh, you know, assessing yourself. Where 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 are my skills weak? What do I need to learn? Um, what do uh, you know? If I aspire to leadership, then I've got to learn how to be a leader. Um, and it's not just as simple as reading a book. I mean, you know, there's a lot of good information and advice in books and seminars, but there's no substitute for doing it. Uh, so get involved with your local chamber. Get involved with civic groups. Take on leadership roles. Make your mistakes. You're going to make them. We all make them. Uh, when you do make them, learn from them. And to me, that's the, the, the critical element there. What did you learn from that experience? I'm meeting uh, next week with a guy whose business failed. Uh, and that's the one question I want to ask him. What did you learn from this experience? I mean, I've got my opinion as to why his business failed. Uh, but if he didn't learn anything from that, uh, then he can't. he's not going to be able to succeed in the future. Roy Austin, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you for having me, Jack. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, Thought Leader listeners, you can now go premium at CFOThoughtLeader.com.